so for my second episode, I, okay, so I didn't want to just focus entirely on pop culture stuff. I wanted to, you know, make a variety of episodes on various topics. I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about this, but, um, at the same time, I wanted to, like, come back to it and talk, because I talked about Super Mario in the last episode, the first episode, and I, I wanted, I, I didn't just want to have pop culture, pop culture, pop culture, pop culture. I was going to, I was leaning heavy towards this, but I also wanted to look at, I don't know, something like a historical event to talk about. But it was like, there was a few, I was like, okay, that sounds cool, but I don't want to talk about that. So, I guess, I'll get these topics out of the way. Because, <laughs> like, I really want to talk about this. This is a very controversial topic. Uh, there are, I always tell, whenever there's, at my job, when there's a new employee, I tell them there are four topics we're not allowed to talk about with customers because it always starts fights. And those topics are religion, politics, sports, and the Star Wars sequels. Obviously, the last one's a joke. Some of them actually take me seriously. They're like, Corporate will let us talk about Star Wars. No, no, that, that, no, that's... So, I got a friend that... <laughs> Hang on. I have a friend that told me that he was listening to my podcast. And I'm... Recording... <laughs> um, yeah. And so, it's probably going to hear this and be like, yay! So... <laughs> Anyway, so I'm talking about Star Wars. Not just the sequels, but Star Wars as a whole. I'm a huge fan. I don't... I don't care. Like, people... I know a lot of people say I'm not a real fan because I like the sequels or I like the prequels. I just like Star Wars. I don't even care. I embrace all of it. There... <laughs> I've had people say, "Well, shouldn't couldn't this have been better in this in the last movie?" Like, yeah, there's things that could have been better in the first one. It's they're not perfect. They're they're movies. It's, yeah, they're they they are what they are. It's they're I <laughs> and that's I mean I can basically just sum up my thoughts on Star Wars and it is what it is. <laughs> I. It's kind of like gaming. Like I, I the people, everyone argues about gaming systems. I just want a game. I don't care what system it's on. I have a, I, I have a Star Wars. I have a Switch and an Xbox, and I'm saving up for a PlayStation. I don't care. <laughs> there, they all have their, they all have exclusives. Like I, I, one of my favorite games of all time is, I actually, I'm. Put a pen in it. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have like a I'm gonna have a series of pens. It's like I want to talk about. I mean, the the show is called The Digressor, but I don't want to digress to the point where I invalidate future episodes. I already talked about that, didn't I? Anyway, <laughs> so 
years ago, I said to a friend, if they ever make a sequel trilogy to Star Wars, then Star Wars will become a trilogy of trilogies. Well, Star Wars is now a trilogy of trilogies. And it is a great one. I... I don't know when they added the episode titles, but when I was a kid, I grew up with my, uh, my uncle was the one that introduced me to Star Wars. Like, my earliest memories, we would watch the trilogy, because, like, uh, we would, we actually lived with my uncle for a little bit when I was really little, like, three or four. Like, I don't even remember how old I was, why we lived there, but... He's a huge, even now, he's he's a huge nerd. Like, he's, I think he was into Star, he was into Harry Potter before I was, and I was into Harry Potter before the first movie came out, so. I went to his house one Christmas, and he had Hagrid's umbrella. <laughs> I was like, you know about that? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he introduced me to Star Wars. And when and then one time in first grade, which was 94, I believe, I think, because I remember in kindergarten when I learned about dates, is, I don't remember the exact date, but the teacher wrote 1993, like something something 1993, and I was like, what is that? That's a big number. And she said, that's a year. And I was like, what's a year? And then she, that was the lesson. She was, hadn't gotten to it yet. So I know I was in kindergarten in 93, but I don't know if that's the first semester or the second semester. So first grade's probably 94. Anyway, that, that wasn't really related to the story at all. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> reason I'm talking, I'm mentioning the whole uncle thing is... In first grade, we were watching one of the Star Wars movies. Uh, the teacher put it on, like, it was, it was like a slow day, it was raining, and she had nothing to talk about. So she put on a movie, it was Star Wars. And I said, it's Star Wars! And she said, no, it's Return of the Jedi. And I was like, no, it's Star Wars! And she goes, no, no, it's not Star Wars, it's Return of the Jedi. And at the time, it didn't make sense, because, like, no, because that's Vader. That's Darth Vader. He's in Star Wars. And I didn't know at the time that they, the franchise was Star Wars, but Star Wars at one point was just one movie, even though there were three. They, were, they, did, they weren't Star Wars Episode Four or A New Hope. It was Star Wars. <laughs> so... I don't know when they added the episodes, but that was in the mid-90s, so maybe she didn't know, because I think around that time was when the first special edition VHS box set was released, and that was when they introduced that, because Lucas was writing the, the prequels that he supposedly had already written. I remember seeing a documentary forever ago, and I think it's like common knowledge to any Star Wars fan that... George Lucas says that he, when he wrote the first Star Wars film, he wrote the entire saga. Like, instead of just writing the one story, he's like, hmm, where did these people come from? I'm going to write Vader's backstory. And he put it on a shelf to make later. 
At least so he says. I don't think he did, but that's what he says. <laughs> and I think it was around the mid-90s is when they made the change. And I... I okay, that was going somewhere, and I don't remember exactly where. So I will just kind of jump track to a different direction. It's you know, in the same direction, just kind of veers off a little bit. Um, I wish... I wish they would release the original cut of the trilogy. Kind of. Some of the changes they made were for the better. Like in Empire Strikes Back when they replaced the Emperor's... The Emperor's hologram with uh I don't remember his name Ian I was going to say Ian McKellen but that's no it's not even close I'm just going to say I'm just going to say Palpatine I don't I don't remember the guy's the actor's name like I know it oh actually <laughs> I have <laughs> I have the Wikipedia pulled up because I was looking at it before I, I started recording so like I can literally just um, uh, where is, uh, okay, the, it doesn't have a cast of characters on here, yeah, other media, prints, films, films, let's see, Ewok Adventure, Ewoks Battle for Indoor, I remember those, that, why, wait, what? Why are those the only two films listed? There's, I'm pretty sure Star Wars is more than that. If that was the entire Star Wars franchise, I don't think it would have lasted. Wait, let me scroll up and see what. Oh, okay, I'm in the television section. So there's two television, there's two TV films, made for TV films, and that's the Ewok movies. I remember those movies because they didn't feel very Star Wars, which was my first uh, instance of experiencing a non-Star Wars Star Wars. Be uh, that probably didn't make sense. It didn't feel like Star Wars, which was good, because you don't want to get formulaic. You have nine films, two spin-offs, and countless TV shows and video games. If they're all formulaic and the exact same, then it's like, oh, this is Star Wars. This is I know what I know what I'm gonna get. It's it's gonna get boring. And these mo these two movies, the Ewok movies. Oh wait. No, I I saw this sneeze coming, but it went away. It's hiding. Uh, the two Ewok movies. It basically they take place on Endor, and I think it's before the Battle of Endor, before uh, Return of the Jedi. And it's like basically a fam. The first one is like a family that's vacationing on Endor, and they go on like an adventure. And then the second one is basically just the family. I think it's. I haven't seen them in like 25 years. It was the 90s? A friend of mine had them on VHS. Was like, look, I got Star Wars on VHS, and I was. He put it in. I'm like, this isn't Star Wars. It's got the teddy bears, but it's not Star Wars. And I watched it, and I liked it, though, because because I, I was, like, ten. 
and it was it was clearly meant for kids. I think maybe I don't know. I'll probably go watch watch it now. Wait, actually, let me click on that. <laughs> it takes place between the events of the Empire Strikes Back and the Return of the Jedi. And it's the the film is international theatrical. It was released theatrically internationally. The Force Moon of Endor, the Tawani family star cruiser lies wrecked. The Tawani family, I'm not pronouncing those. They're not even real names. Are stranded when Kadarin and Jauramit vanish, having been captured by the Gorax. The children are found by the Ewok Deej. Hey, that's how it ties in. And Warwick Davis. Wait. I see the cast. It says Warwick Davis as Warwick W. Davis. Wait, Wicket. Oh, wait, no, okay. Oh, I I wasn't actually reading. I was glancing. Warwick Davis as Wicket W. Warwick. Wawa. <laughs> I'm Baba Wawa. Uh, this is found by Deej. That's not the one I was thinking. Uh... For, okay, I'm I'm not a real fan. I thought Warwick Davis was Deej. He's wicked. That's obvious. It's so obvious. After Mace Mace Windu tries to kill them, the Ewoks subdue him and take both children to the Ewoks' home. Hmm. They seek out the Ewok Lagre Logre Lagre. Who informs them that the parents have been taken by the monstrous Gorex, which reside in the des deserted, dangerous place. A caravan Ewoks formed by the help of the children and meet up in the waste Azrani a blasterous Ewok name Shrak before finally reaching the lair of the Gorax. They engage in the Gorax in battle, freeing Jormit and Kav but Shakrach is killed. The Gorak is thought destroyed when it is knocked into the chasm, but it takes a final blow from Mace. Kill the creature. It climbs the back to family. Okay, there is a sequel. Wait, there's documentaries. During the production of Caravan of Courage, the children. Wait, Caravan of Courage? That's the second one, I think? No. Uh, the children in the cast had to balance their schoolwork with acting and film during the, their time on the set. Lucasfilm decided it might be an educational and rewarding experience for the older children, Eric Walker, Mace, and Warwick Davis, Wicket. Wait, he was a child at the time? I don't know. When I think of Warwick Davis, I think Warwick Davis now. To be given their own camera to use between takes, calling themselves W&W &W Productions. Ah, uh, because Walker and Warwick. Except that's his last name and first name. Oh, I don't know. Eric and Warwick shot a documentary of the making of the film, which was released to Eric's YouTube channel in 2014. Wow, that's probably the longest it's taken something to release. When the film was released on DVD in 2004, it contained nothing but the film itself. Eric Walker and Warwick Davis stated in interviews that they would be happy to record a cast doc commentary. For another future release, if Lucasfilm someday allowed a more detailed release of the films. Adaptations. Okay, I'm not going to read this whole Wikipedia. This is the first movie of the Ewok. Followed by Battle for Endor. 
Aran. It's a sequel to Caravan of Courage, an Ewok adventure. It focuses on Tawany, a human girl from the first film who, after being orphaned, oh, that spoils the end of the first one, joins the Ewoks in protecting their village and defeating the marauders who have taken them control of the Indoor Moon. Uh, what does that wait? Uh, along with Caravan of Courage, the film is retroactively set between the events of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Mm, let's see. Although this has a longer plot, I am not, wait six months have passed since the events of the first film. The Tommy family story creature is almost completely fixed, and I am not going to read this entire thing because it is three times longer than the first one. The movie's probably the same length. I don't know. Warwick Davis returns, production effects, music, alternate versions. There's four <sighs> adaptions. And that has. Oh, in 1986, Random House published a children's book adaptation of the Battle for Endor called The Ring, the Witch, and the Crystal, an Ewok Adventure. That is a very different title. It was released on VHS and Laserdisc. And. Ah. I saw Disney Plus linked, and I'm like, oh, yay! But what it says is. As of September 2019, the streaming service Disney Plus had announced no plans to host the Ewok films, prompting Eric Walker to start a petition for Disney to add them. I want to sign that because I want to watch them again. Oh, wait, what's the above that? Uh, the above that. In January 2019, Disney and Lucasfilm released The Battle for Indoor on Amazon's Prime Video service, where it was available to rent and buy. Oh, before you get excited. As of December 2019, the film is no longer available for, uh, through the service. So, yeah. I am focusing way too much on this. Um, <laughs> well, let's see. I have, uh, there is another. Um, oh, that was an unintentional Star Wars reference I did. No, there is another. <laughs> There is another Star Wars special that is infamous. Even among, well, <laughs> even as even among Star Wars fans, can you imagine a controversial Star Wars film be among fans? I I can't think of a single Star Wars film that's controversial among fans. It's the least divisive property in all of history. I am, of course, referring. To the Star Wars Holiday Special. I have seen it. And I blocked it from my memory. I remember it being very boring. It didn't... Okay, you know how earlier I said... It's good that it didn't feel like Star Wars. It was completely different. This didn't feel like Star Wars, but in a bad way. Yeah, this is... Okay, this... Wow, I'm yawning. It is... Okay, normally, I'm asleep right now. This is the middle of the day. I am awake at night. It's my day off, and I'm up awake. I'm, I'm, I'm up awake. I am definitely up awake. Alright, so... How bad is the Star Wars holiday special? George Lucas loves a heat made and released and actively promoted the prequels which 
I don't get me wrong. I love the prequels, but they're not the best. I mean, they are very much for kids. And yet, the holiday special, to this day, he refuses to acknowledge. It was only released one time on TV that I know of. Actually, I have the Wikipedia pulled up. Let's see. Reception, critical response. <laughs> they, uh, bleh. Connected it, critical response. The Star Wars holiday special is universally panned by critics, audience, and Star Wars fans alike. Mm hmm. It has. Wow! On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a much higher score than I was expecting. I was thinking, like, single digits. It's It has a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, let's see. Uh, reception from the cast and crew. George Lucas did not have significant involvement in the film's production and was reportedly unhappy, un unhappy with the results. In 1987, Lucas reportedly said of the film, I believe it will be released on videotape. I am not sure if they're going to rerun it on TV or not. In a May 2005 interview, Lucas has said was asked if the film had soured him on working in television, and he replied, the special from 1978 really didn't do much to have much to do with us, you know. I can't remember what network it was on, ABC. But it was a thing that they did. We kind of let them do it. It was done by, I can't even remember who the group was, but they were a variety TV guys, obviously. They let them use the characters... Wait, we let them use the characters and stuff, and that probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but you learn from those experiences. Uh, let's see. Harrison Ford in 2006 made a, an appearance on The Late Show with Conan O'Brien and claimed to have never seen it. Anthony Daniels, C-3PO, in a documentary promoting the World War tour of Star Wars in concert, notes with a laugh that the Star Wars universe includes a horrible holiday special that nobody talks about. In 2019, Daniels re referred to the special as a turd in his autobiography. On the 2010 television program, Time Talk, I'm, I can't spoke now. Carrie Fisher was asked about the special, and she said she made Lucas give her a copy of the special in exchange for a recording commentary for the Star Wars trilogy. So she would have something for parties when she wanted everybody to leave. <laughs> oh, I gotta love Carrie. She's awesome. In 2018, Mark Hamill admitted to have not having seen the entire special. 2020, he jokingly said U.S. President Donald Trump. He jokingly asked U.S. Donald Trump, U.S. President, <sighs> jokingly asked Trump to pardon it. <laughs> The official Star Wars site states the special delivered mixed results. Oh wait, so the the official Star Wars website acknowledges it. So that's that's different. The official site also refers to Boba Fett animated segment as a cult classic. Versions and availability. Mm-hmm. I I see April Fools in here. It soon became a cult classic among Star Wars fans while fans will originally shared or sold as a bootleg video at conventions or via outlets such as eBay. Peer-to-peer -peer file sharing networks have made the special more widely available to fans curious to see it for themselves. Online video sites such as YouTube also have hosted clips for the special. However, the special has not been officially released. The so-called Platinum Edition DVD mentions in a review by mentioned in a review by Lawrence Person on Locus Online was an April Fool's hoax. 
The entire fat cartoon appeared as an Easter egg on the Star Wars Complete Saga. But wait, so on the Star Wars Blu-ray set, they released part of the holiday special. I'm basically just reading Wikipedia at this point. I w- there was actually one specific thing I wanted to talk about, and I haven't even touched it. How long have I been recording? 24 minutes and 24 seconds. Uh, let's see. There is a book. Let's see. Um, this is still. I'm still on the holiday special section. Go back up to the top. Um, let's see. Print media. I'm guessing that is. All right. That is. Not. Oh, here it is. Uh. The Star Wars has Star Wars in print predates the release of the first film. What? Oh. Okay, I want to see if I can find what I'm looking f- fun. Okay, so let's see. Your Mentioned indirectly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. The but, uh, there is a book. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Guess I'll have to listen and find out. Yes, you will. <laughs> uh, there is a book series I used to watch. I mean, ah, <laughs> I'm distracted. There is a book series that my school library used to have, and I read all of them. And I don't know if they were officially Star Wars canon. Because oh wait, children's books here. It was definitely children's books. Um, I'm just gonna do Control F. Galaxy. Well, yeah, that brings up that. Yeah, there's a ton of results. Okay, of oh that's a P. Of brings up four. No. Fear. Aha! There it is. Oh. Okay. Uh, maybe. Maybe there wasn't, um, maybe there was more than I thought, because there was, like, seven in my school library, and I thought I read them all. There are, let's see, how many are here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh. Okay, so, there, oh, there's a Wikipedia page for it. Let me click on that. Galaxy of Fear. It's a Star Wars... Okay, actually, I'll just read. Galaxy of Fear is a series of science fiction novels set in the Star Wars Galaxy three years after A New Hope. The books are meant for younger readers. The books range from 100 pages to 200 pages in large print. The series of 12 books was written by John Whitman and was released in February, wait, from February 1997 through October 1998. And they were amazing, the ones I read. The reason I don't know if they're canon, well... Legends canon, like former canon, is because 
while they were separate from the main story, they're also part of the main story. Like, I think in every one of them, at some point, we run in... They, they always... The main characters run into the main characters of the trilogy. Uh, I think the most ridiculous example that even as a kid, I rolled my eyes and was like, oh, come on. At the end of one of the books, I could probably figure out which one. Uh, Planet Plague was probably the one I'm thinking of. Let's see. Planet Plague does not It does not have a description. It's the only one of these that don't have a description. Basically, the planet is alive. And I'm thinking... If I, rem- I read this like 20 years ago. The... Uh... Bleh. <laughs> The planet is alive, and it's, like, starting to explode at the end, and the characters are running towards your ship, and it, like, falls into the ground, and, oh, this is it. They're gonna die. There's no way out of this. And, oh, what is this? The Millennium Falcon just literally comes out of nowhere and swoops them up as the planet explodes. What? (laughs) And, yeah, and, like, Han Solo's like, Oh, we just happened to be in the area, and we saw this, and we knew you guys were on it, so we stopped by to help you. And, and yeah, no, no, stop it. <laughs> it's like, no, organically have them in the story. Don't just... That, I forgot the name of it, the Machina thing, the thing that... I don't remember the name, but anyway... Yeah, I kind of just blanked out for a second. It was, it was a good series. There was another. Oh, I don't remember all of them. The, um, the story I remember the most. Wow. Uh, I keep yawning. Like this is weird. Like uh, my my sleep schedule is reversed from most people. Most people are wide awake right now. This is my midnight. Mm-hmm. It is 5.07 p.m. There is... The story I remember the most is... I don't remember which one of these. They're on a planet. It's like a... uh, It's like an amusement park planet, basically. And uh, one of the characters is a robot. A droid. And there's these characters... There's these creatures that... Or, like, they, like, mimic people or something. I don't remember. Again, 20 years ago. And they're, like... They're walking around, and there's... Things and stuff. And I don't... I thought I would remember it as I went along. But my my mind's like, nope, you're on your own on this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the main character, she... What's her name? Okay, I'll just read the summary. The books are about a younger brother and sister, Zack and Tash, who travel the galaxy with their mysterious uncle, Hul. Tash and Zack are orphans. Their parents were on the home ro- on their homeworld of Alderaan when it was destroyed by the Death Star. Tash is fascinated with the Jedi, while Zack is interested in machines and technology. 
The first six books form an arc. The protagonists discover pieces of a large imperial experiment and, bi and biological weapons, codenamed Project Starscream. The first five books deal with the heroes discovering the various components of Project Starscream, each dangerous, each dangerous in its own right. The sixth book deals with their discovery of the final goal of the experiments, creating the prototype organism simply, simply named The Weapon. The first six, the first, the next six book lack a central arc. The protagonist now wanted fugitive simply travel from planet to planet, attempting to avoid imperial authorities. Each book told a story with the main character stumbling onto some dangerous and resulting in adventure. That is probably why my library only had the first seven books. Maybe it was six. Now that I think about it, because like it, the way it, like I, I don't again, I don't remember details, but I remember the way it ended. Thinking, well, that was very conclusive, and then. <laughs> They didn't know how to end it, so they just kept going, and, yeah, they have a robot, wait, other oh, uncle is a shapeshifter, and then there is a droid, I cannot see the, wait, the ship, however, is unable to take off, oh, wait, oh, okay, the first book is the one I'm talking about, Tash and Zack Armanda are preteen siblings whose parents were killed in the galactic when the Galactic Empire destroyed their home planet of Alderan. With nowhere else to go, they began to travel with their uncle Huel, a mysterious shapeshifting Shiaidu, who studies different species on many planets. With him, they live on his starship, the Light Runner, and learn from their new caretaker droid, DV9, when they travel to the mysterious planet of Dvaran. They are pulled out of hyperspace seemingly too soon by the planet's gravity and crash land on at the spaceport. Though Tash feels bad things about though Tash feels bad things about the planet, the Inzine, the planet race who live on the planet, are more than happy to help help out with anything they need while on the planet. Dvaran has become a tourist destination, and the Inzine hope to bring more people to live on the planet. When Shud, the Inzine, who personally helps the family, brings them to the end to help them in repairing the engine, they are attacked and the children are taken captive by the forces of, of Shida the Hut. Who, wait. The two stories I was talking about, the planet one and the, the attraction one, <laughs> they're the same book. <laughs> That's why I couldn't find it. Anyway, uh, okay. And who demands Hul's service. With the help of the rebels, who are also investigating the planet, Shada's forces release the children. Outside the end, they meet Kavrad Bedbo, a disgraced pilot who tries to warn the people staying on the planet that people are disappearing when their uncle Hul leaves them with Chud while he's studying. Tash learn, uh, sees an alien creature standing over a sleeping Zack, waking him. They run to town to warn the others, only to find that no one is chasing them. After Hill speaks to them, Tash stops worrying about the planet and who is chasing them. The next day, Zack, while alone, is attacked by Shada's forces. Bebo is there also and manages to evade all their laser shots at him. I guess they're stormtroopers. Hul is eventually able to stop Shada, but Tash convinces him to let her speak to Bebo. He brings her, uh, accompanied by DB9, to the cave where he shows her a laboratory which has long ago been abandoned. He shows her a seemingly bottomless pit. 
which she feels there is something wrong with, and he shows her his medallion, a device which apparently keeps him safe from the disappearances. Believing him, she tries to return to town. He gives her his medallion, but after she is gone, he is killed by one of Shade's guards. As she returns to town, she is attacked by the Inzin, who have become parasitic monsters, but manages to escape when an earthquake shakes the ground. Back at town, un uh, however, everyone is missing, and she goes to Shade's fortress, thinking he has done something. There she finds Zack in captivity. With DV9's help, they escape Shade's forces, but are recaptured easily. However, now outside, the fortress shadeth his guards, and the children are attacked by the Inzine and the planet. As holes begin to open up and take people into the planet, Shada, on his repulsor sled, and the children protected by the Medallion are kept safe, but are brought by the Inzine to the heart of the planet, the pit Babo showed Tesh. There, it is revealed that the planet is alive and needs nourishment, and the Inzine get their nourishment from the planet while attracting more people to come. The Medallion created a force field around the wearers that the planet could not absorb. When Hul, who was uh, disguised as an Inzine, gets the Medallion, he throws it into the pit, causing the planet, uh, causing the planet to begin to erupt. Uh, able to escape the pit, even as Shada falls in and is absorbed, they finally reach their ship. The ship, however, is unable to take off, as the planet is, has grabbed hold of it. Losing hope, the Millennium Falcon comes to the rescue, and with Daft flying by Han Solo, is able to escape the planet, which collapses in behind them. That is the end. Literally, that is that is what, like I said... Last minute. It's like, oh, they're going to die. What's happened? Oh, no. Uh, Millennium Falcon. <laughs> and that that's actually the longest description. That's the first novel. And it's the longest description. The second novel, this, this is an example. The second novel is called City of the Dead. It, it's, it says, The Millennium Falcon drops off Tash, Zack, and Hul at the beginning, indicating that the City of the Dead takes place mere days after eaten alive. The family proceeds to buy a new ship afterwards. During, during the book, Zack is buried alive in a tomb. The characters Boba Fett and Dr. Evazan are featured. That is the only description. <laughs> it's like, oh, by the way, he's buried alive. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. It is a... Oh. Oh. Okay. I'm scrolling down to the bottom. I was, I was trying really hard not to describe this series as a Star Wars Goosebumps, because that's what it felt like as a kid. Because uh, I read Goosebumps a lot. I read, like, every Goosebumps book and Fear Street, and I loved it. And when I when I came across this as a kid, my uh, when I was reading I'm like, this is kind of like Goosebumps. And I, I scroll to the bottom, and I see, the, see also and the only thing there is Goosebumps. So, I guess it wasn't just me. So, okay, as weird as this sounds, I know, I'm you know, talking about Star Wars. Star Wars is a massive franchise, and I wanted to talk about... Well, let's see. The thing I really wanted to talk about was Galaxy of Fear. I mean, that's... That's really all I wanted to talk about. And also to say, I love all Star Wars. I don't care. Like, I would, even though it's not canon anymore, I, if I could come out, if I could find Galaxy of Fear, now that I know there's like, twice as many books as there was when I was a kid, or, I mean, 
Wow. Okay. So they were released within two years. They were all released. The 12 books were released within like two years. So they were rushed out. They already existed when I was a kid. I just didn't have access to them and didn't know they existed. But now that I know there's twice as many than there were, I I want to read the entire thing because I loved them as a kid. I'm hoping it's not one of those things where you love it as a kid and you come back to it as an adult and you're like, wow, this is garbage. I've seen a lot of that. Uh, speaking of series that are longer than I thought, let's look up another book series that I loved as a kid. I don't... I think there were 20 when I was a kid that I know about. And I'm looking... Seeing this, I'm sure there's a Wikipedia. There has to be a Wikipedia for this. There is. Let's see. How many books there? <gasps> wow. Oh, it's currently being published. 1982 to current. There are... Okay, when I was a kid, there were 20 books. And now, there are 73 books in the Hank the Cowdog series. I... I... I have a lot of catching up to do. Wait, adaptations? Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> There's a Hank the Cowdog podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping... Wait, let's see. Hank the Cowdog is an animated adaptation series. Uh, wait, adaptation based on the books. It will be pro- It will be produced by HTC Productions and Hoo Studios. It was first unveiled at the... My P Junior content market in 2015. So far, there's no specific release date for the series. The series will be done in 2D animation. It will have 13 episodes. So this is a a new thing because I knew there was like an episode in the 90. Oh, right below that, there was a previous attempt at a TV series adaptation in the late 90s. It was going to be produced by Nickelodeon. A series would have contained uh, the test reel was updated in 2015 to. I did see an episode. It was on CB. It was on CBS, I think, long, long time ago, and I was excited. I was like, "Yay, it's the cow dog!" And I, wow, <laughs> I digressed into an entirely different series. <laughs> uh, audio only. There are seven audio only books, and here's a list of all of the books. The Original Adventures of Hank the Cowdog. The Further Adventures of Hank the Cowdog. It's a Dog's Life. Murder in the Middle Pasture. It's a kid's series. Let's see. The last one I... Re- 93. The Phantom in the Mirror. It, number 20. And let's see. The, uh, the most recent one. Number 74. Released in 2020. The Frozen Rodeo. It, the... Wow, oh, there's one released a year. Well, okay, at least one, because there's two in 2018, two in 2017, two... Okay, two a year. Well, that would make sense, because there's 70, 74, and there was 20 in 1993. I, I know I might as well just end this now, because I've gotten... I, I have a whole other rabbit hole to go down, because I don't want to go back to Star Wars now that I'm falling... I'm, I'm on Hank the Cowdog now. I, I'm... Yeah... If I keep going, I'm going to have to call this Star Wars slash Hank the Cowdog. So I'm, I'm just going to end this now. <laughs>